Praise the Lord and welcome to our weekly podcast, The Elephant in the Room with Bishop Michael Bellamy. Our podcast will cover various topics that are often overlooked, misunderstood, or even controversial from a biblical perspective. We're blessed to have a team of wonderful producers who want to make each episode something that will be enjoyable and informative. In our last two episodes, our producers and I addressed several questions about the topic of grief. During this episode, we'll conclude our discussion with the hopes that we have given you a better understanding of the grieving process and how you can cope with loss when it happens during your walk with Christ. This podcast episode was produced by Lady Satoya Clanton. It was edited by Lady Clanton and Sister Tynika Harris Coronado. I'll be right back with today's episode. How do we handle the feelings that come when we experience losses and grief as a result of the actions of others? For example, assault, vandalism, car accident, and what does forgiveness look like for the person grieving? Well, Jesus taught us to ask the Father to forgive them because they don't know how badly they hurt others. They may not be mentally able to comprehend to what extent they destroy the dreams and the lives of others. So what does forgiveness look like? It looks like the forgiveness and the love of God in Christ, love for us. And that's hard to process. That's hard to accept, especially when someone has taken away from you something or someone that you love, you're grieving, you're mourning, you're hurting, and it looks like they are just totally indifferent. It doesn't matter to them. They don't care, or they've gone on with their lives. But we have to go back to the teachings of Jesus. We have to love, and we have to forgive. God's forgiveness and love for us was not earned or deserved. And we cannot wait for them to apologize. We can't wait for them to ask us or the family for forgiveness. We have to show them God's grace and mercy, which is renewed to us every day. We have to show to them that same grace and mercy. So I got a personal follow-up. If you forgive that person, do you have to keep company with them or go to dinner with them or even have an occasion to interact with them? Referring to maybe someone that you are uh, related to or were close with prior to this separation. So Jesus said, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. Mm -hmm. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. So you may consider the person the enemy because of what they did, because of what they caused. So if they're hungry, you make sure they have something to eat. You make sure they have something to drink. If they are without proper clothing, you make sure that they are properly clothed to the best of your ability. If they're unhoused, you do what you can to assist them with proper housing. 
I wouldn't say that you need to open up your doors to your home and have, have Lady Satoy cook them one of her best dinners and let them sit down at your table. And then you go in and sit in the living room with them and watch the Super Bowl. But what I would say is, is that when we forgive, we also forget the offense. And we don't hold it against them. God takes our offenses and he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness to never remember them again. If you offend me and every time I see you, I remember what you did to me, I have not forgiven you. I have to see you and not be reminded of the offense and then treat you as if it never happened. Amen. All right, the last question. How do we find a balance between giving people space to grieve naturally while also encouraging them spiritually? People need space and we need to give them space. And I'm gonna go back to what I said earlier about tossing scripture or bombarding people with scriptures when they want to be alone. I don't see anything wrong with a person who needs space being alone as long as they are grieving appropriately. But when they become a silo, when they shut themselves off from family, from friends, when they are no longer attending worship services, when they are no longer active uh, within their local congregation, then it seems like their grief is becoming complicated. A person has the right to ask for space, give it to them. And then the best thing that we can do is to prayerfully support them from a distance and every now and then check in on them. Amen. I'm gonna pass it over to Mariah. Hey, Mariah. Hey, Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have for me, dear? Yes, so how do you comfort a child who has lost a parent? Wow, as I said earlier, children, are totally different as it relates to being able to provide care for them. Here's, here's one thing that we have to do with children. We have to be honest with them. For instance, to tell a child that they've gone to be with Jesus, the child response may be, well, I wanna go be with Jesus. That's not what you wanna hear a child say. If a parent or a loved one died because of a sickness. For instance, you say, well, um, they died because they had hypertension or they, they had the flu and they died from complications from the flu. If the child ever gets a call or get the flu, then the child thinks they're going to die as well because their loved one died from a cold or from the flu. Be honest with the child. Be patient with them and listen to that child. Give them your undivided attention. Don't rush them. They will have a thousand questions. Some of them 
you will not have answers to. But just having presence and patience can mean a lot. If you see that the child is having difficulty, then I strongly recommend that they see a Christian counselor that specializes in counseling for children. Thank you. As a saved grief counselor, how do you explain that God did not take the life of a loved one? Wow. So not long ago, I had a uh, situation where I eulogized a mother and the family was angry. I knew the family was angry and I, I sensed the anger. And I said to the family, God did not take or God did not kill your mother. Sometimes we use Job's words, the Lord gave and the Lord taketh away. Sometimes those are not the best words to use because now we're putting it on God, that God took your mom or God took your dad or God took your loved one. What I would like to explain to the child is your parent had whatever sickness or disease that it was. And some people recover and get well. And then some people don't recover. And it's okay to say this. And they die. You don't want to say they're asleep. Mom is asleep or dad is asleep. Because if you say they're asleep, then the child's going to say, well, let's just go wake them up. They need to understand if they can comprehend, if they're at an age where they can comprehend death, they need to understand that their loved one is dead and that mom or dad or their sibling can't see them, can't hear them, don't know that they're present and that they're not going to return home. With children, and I'm saying it again, with children, you have to be honest with them. Did that answer your question? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, my last question is, if an individual falsely blamed family members for their sickness and future demise, what words of comfort can you share to ease the loss and dispel the accusations? Well, no one wins the blame game. No one wins the blame game. Assure the person that they are not at fault or to be blamed. And then give factual proof to them to relieve them of any doubts. Because sometimes people can make you feel that you actually are responsible for a person's illness or you're responsible for their death or their anticipated death. Give them facts that will dispel any doubts that they have. And then the record needs to be straight with the person who is sick and the family. So if the person who is sick is blaming someone else for their sickness and their anticipated death, then the family members need to have a conversation with that individual and correct that with facts that no, we are not responsible you didn't do what the doctors told you to do. 
You did not change your diet. You did not exercise properly. You didn't take your medications when you should have taken them. And whatever the case might be, you had an opportunity to have surgery and you decided not to have the surgery. Whatever the case may be, it needs to be corrected while the person is still alive so that they don't leave that doubt, that guilt, that blame, and those regrets on the family because that can cause secondary losses. The person who feels blamed can stop eating, not be able to sleep, stop caring for themselves, and then they too can become very sick and possibly die. This is kind of a follow-up, but is it okay to be angry when you're grieving? Yes, it's part of grief. It took me a while to understand that people are angry with God and to understand why they're angry. And they're angry because we said God did it. God took him, God took her. And, and I think that God understands as humans that we do get angry about a terminal illness or disease, or we're angry because of the loss of a loved one. But we don't want to stay angry. Right. Okay. We want to move on from that angry. And I do want to say to everyone, when you're angry, it's okay to say, I'm angry. Not only am I hurting, I'm angry. And then for those who are lost survivors, we need to be able to understand and accept their anger. This is Bishop Michael Bellamy. I hope you enjoy our podcast and subscribe to our Facebook page. You will find our weekly podcasts on many of your favorite platforms. Would you please tell your family and friends to listen in as well? We would love to hear from you. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook and via email at theelephant2022 at gmail.com. All right, Bishop, I just got two questions for you. And the first one is, how does one keep from going into depression while grieving? You do that by, one, self-care. Taking those small steps through the, the grieving process so that you don't get into that state of deep, dark sadness to where you shut yourself off from the world. Acceptance is necessary. You have to accept the loss. You know, a person who doesn't accept the loss, they're going to get stuck in anger. They'll get stuck in shock. And if you get stuck there, it's hard to move on with your life. Work your way through the stages. Get to acceptance when you can, and then allow your mind and your body to heal through eventually returning to your regular routine. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. Just one more for you. 
is it okay to not show emotions when you have lost a loved one? No, I, I don't think it's, I don't think that's okay. We are humans and we have emotions and those emotions should be displayed. Those emotions should, should be shown. God, God gave them to us. I remember Jacqueline Kennedy and how stoic she was at the funeral of the late President John F. Kennedy. And she was considered a strong woman because she was so stoic. She was so reserved. She was able to hold her emotions in. I think it's healthy to show emotions when you lose someone you love. In fact, it should be expected. People show emotions when, when their favorite team loses a game. You want to see somebody show emotions, you know, let your favorite team lose their game. And I mean, they are, they're just angry. I mean, to the point, some people destroy the flat screen television. Well, if we can do that, if our favorite team loses a game, we should be able to be emotional when we lose someone that we love. And so what I said to someone recently is cry. If you need to drive to the park, or the forest preserve, someplace where you can be alone and scream, scream as loud as you can, but just make sure nobody can hear you because, you know, they're going to call the police <laughs> and they're gonna say, there's a woman, there's a man out there screaming and, and you're going to be in the hospital and, and, and they're going to, uh, they're going to be checking you out to make sure that you're okay. Sometimes I, when I'm driving along <clears throat> and something hits me, I just start screaming in my car, you gotta get it out. My mom had a, a pressure cooker. And I think most of you know about the pressure cookers. And that pressure cooker had a relief valve on the top. So as the steam and the pressure built up in the, in, the, in the pressure cooker, that relief valve would open to relieve the pressure or the steam in, in the pot. Well, our grief is like that relief valve. We have to have a way to release that pressure, to release that steam, to release that pain, to release our emotions, because if we don't, we're going to explode. And no one want to get to the place to where they explode because they did not grieve appropriately. Yeah, thanks, Bishop. I do have just a follow up to that one. Um, mm -hmm. I know you said if you're upset and you want to scream, um, go to the park and let out a loud scream. But are there other healthy ways that you can express anger? Because I, I do believe that a lot of people go through different emotions when they grieve. They're mm -hmm. able to express hurt. They're able to express sadness. And that's accepted by us. But many times we don't know how to deal with someone who is angry when they're grieving. So is there multiple ways to express your anger in a healthy way? Yeah, there, there are multiple ways. Um, something that just came to my mind is for the people that do it, go to the gym. Get a good workout. Yeah. I don't know how much a person can bench press, but if, they, if they're normally able to uh, bench press 175, try 225. That'll snap you out of it. Or uh, for the people that like to run. Get out there and run. Walking is amazing for bringing equilibrium to the body and to the mind. 
So if you find yourself angry, if you find yourself under stress or pressure, just get out and walk. Get out into nature. I love being in nature. Nature is therapeutic. Those are some of the, the things that I can think of that will help when a person is angry. You don't want to start breaking things. You don't want to start throwing things. You don't want to vent your anger on someone that you're having a difficult relationship with. That's very unhealthy, and that's going to complicate things. Find healthy ways to vent that anger. All right, Bishop, do you have any final thoughts for us? I think we've asked all our questions now. Well, grief and loss is a part of all of our lives. We're all going to experience it at one time or another. I think it's important that we have the tools that we need in advance as individuals and as family members so that when we experience grief, we know how to handle it. And we can do that through educating ourselves about grief and loss, and then sharing it with other family members as well. I certainly hope that the answers that I provided you all were helpful and informative. And for those who are listening to uh, these episodes, if you have any other questions about grief and loss, I certainly hope that you will reach out to us because we want to be able to help you to process your grief appropriately. Well, friends, that's all the time we have for this episode. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode, which was produced by Lady Satoya Clinton. Be safe, stay healthy, God bless.